Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Come on, let's give the mamas a round of applause. I want to wish a happy Mother's Day a few special people in my life. Of course, my very own mama. Go ahead, mama. Stand up and take a little twirl. You can take a little twirl. That's my mama. I love you. And um, I'm so thankful that you're my mama, my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. And um, my I should say my loudest supporter because I think my dad, they, they're both right there. But um, I love my mama to death. I love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. So thankful for you in my life. Um, I'd also like to say happy Mother's Day, of course, to my beautiful wife, Jamila. You can stand up and twirl a little bit. No, no twirl. No twirl. No twirl. <laughs> uh, husbands, you understand, um, just like that video shows, you understand just uh, how much it goes. Well, we, we kind of understand. We don't understand everything, but we see. And so, babe, I just want to let you know, I see what you do for me and P. I, you're not just my wife. I feel like you mama me as well, too. I could be a child sometimes. But, uh, but I love you so much. So thankful for you. You're an amazing mother. Um, so, of course, my mom and my wife. And I'm going to just acknowledge my beautiful sisters. Are, is Michelle here, too? No, she's worshiping. Okay, so, so my sister Michelle, but also my sister Sheila. Go ahead and take a little twirl as well. Stand up, Sheila. There she is back there in the back. My other sister is uh, at church. Sheila, love you so much. I always say uh, growing up with uh, two sisters, it wasn't, and they're like, well, I'm not going to say how much older they are than me. We look the same age. Let's just put it this way. I had three moms in the house <laughs> in, in so many different ways. I love you, sis. And I'm thankful for you and your beautiful family, of course, that's here. Lastly, uh, last thing that I think was on my heart, um, I want to encourage all of us in here today to be mindful of some of those who are hurting this morning. Um, there are some in here that might be grieving the loss of a mom. Um, some that loss may be physical or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe they're not on great terms with their mom. Um, there may be even some in here that would love to be a mom. Maybe have been trying and haven't been able to experience pregnancy. Um, and there may be even some mothers in here today that have experienced a loss of a child. And as we celebrate Mother's Day and we clap and we celebrate as a day of we rejoice. Um, I just want those moms in here that have gone through that or are currently going through that or aspire to be a mom and feeling the frustrations of not being able physically to do that. I just want to let you know that you're loved. You're not unnoticed. And, uh, and if you know somebody um, who's in that situation, will you just text them or maybe take them to coffee or just let them know, hey, today I'm thinking about you. I see you, I love you, and I'm praying for you. And um, can we do this? Can we pray just right now? Can we start by praying for those, um, for those women that are in here today? If that's you, will you just receive this prayer? And if you know somebody, would you just pray with me and agree with me for them? Um, Heavenly Father, life is tricky. There are days that we celebrate, but as followers of Christ, we don't forget that in those celebration days, there are still those that are being, that are mourning, or there are those that are suffering or hurting. And so this morning, I pray for you. I pray the peace of God 
I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would bring in clarity. And maybe it's unexplainable. Um, and maybe it's not an explanation that we need, but it's the comforting. And it's also the growth. God, Jesus, you are conforming us into your image. And so will you speak and encourage those today that experience any kind of loss, any type of regret, um, or that maybe just feel a little bit of pain as everyone else is celebrating. And may we all be sensitive to everyone's season, that people sitting next to us, we may have a great week, but there may be, sitting so, there may be someone sitting next to us that hasn't had a very good week. And so we lift you up, and we pray that the peace of God would be with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's op- open up to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and we'll, we'll have it up for you on the screen. Before we get to Luke 8, though, I just kind of want to make some opening remarks this morning. Um, so we've been on a little bit of a journey, and we've been going through what we've called our champion series and talking about how Jesus Christ in the book of Luke is portrayed as both savior and champion of some of the most notorious Uh, marginalized types of people. We've seen him redeem prostitutes. We've seen him receive criminals. Uh, We've seen him love and restore rebels. Last week, we saw how he received the children, and he did not hinder the children, the most vulnerable of all people, to come to him. Uh, This morning, I thought it would be appropriate, being that it is Mother's Day, to finish our champion series by talking about how Jesus empowers women. I thought I was going to get a a, woo. Did you know that Jesus empowers women? Only a few of you do, but by the time you leave here, uh, we will not be able to obviously expound on it entirely, but hopefully you walk away with just a little piece of an understanding of how Jesus empowered women. You see, we often hear that if you don't affirm modern-day feminism, then you're anti-woman. We even often hear uh, a lot of people will accuse the scriptures and accuse Christians as being a part of a maybe patriarchal type system, and they'll accuse the scriptures as being misogynistic in scope. I couldn't fully disagree with that. To that, I would say, I don't think you've really studied the scripture. You may have heard what somebody else has told you. You read something online, but I don't think you've really studied and understand the scripture that couldn't be further from the truth but if we are going to be honest and we're honest in this church amen we'd have to admit that there had been those who in the name of Christ have misrepresented his heart when it comes to the dignity and worth of women do you would you agree with that there are men inside of churches that proclaim the name of Jesus but they have misrepresented Jesus's heart towards women This isn't just a church problem. We know this is a culture problem. Uh, Let me tell you about an article. I was actually having a conversation with a a good friend of mine, obviously one of my best friends, Christopher, and he was sharing with me, and he sent me over an article um, from The Guardian, and um, The Guardian basically posted this article in a section titled Women in Leadership, and let me tell you what the article says. It opens by saying this. Bias cannot be avoided. We just can't help ourselves. 
Research shows that we apply different standards when we compare men and women. And then the article goes on to talk about sexism in the orchestra. I think this is really interesting. Uh, it's also a little sad, but listen to this. Um, it goes on and talks about sexism in the orchestra. It says, in the 1970s, the top five orchestras in the United States had less than 5% women in them. And then he said, in the 80s, they implemented a strategy called blind auditions. Now, during these auditions, uh, a screen would separate the candidates from the judges so that the judges could only hear them play but not see what they look like. And what's really crazy is after a while, they even had to ask the candidates to remove their shoes <laughs> before, they actually, uh, before they actually were judged because what they found, women, is that y'all shoes make a certain type of noise when you walk in. And if you lived in my mama's house, you know when my dad's walking down the hallway, when my mom's walking down the hallway. But, um, <laughs> but your shoes even made a particular sound, and that also could create a bias. Now, I don't, today, if you're looking at my shoes, sometimes I think it's just kind of all the same. I think my shoes are louder than Jamila's today. Um, but they had to even go as far as to not only put up a screen, but ask the women to or ask all the candidates to remove their shoes uh, before they would actually um, try out. It's pretty interesting, right? Since now, listen to this. Since the institution of blind auditions, researchers discovered, are you ready for this? That 50% more women made it onto the final rounds. And the number of women now playing in orchestra around the U.S. has increased exponentially since the 70s. Isn't that amazing? Now, I start off by saying this isn't just a, a church issue, a religion issue. It is a cultural issue. And in fact, the church and the culture would do well if we read the scriptures and learned from Jesus. I love what one theologian says. Listen, he says this. Um, she actually says this. It's remarkable to consider how the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, interacted with women in his own day. I don't exaggerate when I say that Jesus' approach to women was nothing less than revolutionary. So I want to show you this morning, if we could turn to Luke chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 4, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that not just the moms, I pray that the dads wouldn't tune us out today because we're talking about the empowerment of women. I just pray that your spirit would speak to every person in, in here, every man, every woman, and every child. But I pray that the women in this room, the mothers in this room, uh, would be just empowered to understand your heart towards them. And so I just pray a blessing. Um, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read the first four verses, a real short text. Um, and it reads like this. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Soon afterward, he, this is referring to Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And also, you can highlight or circle or just keep in your heart. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Now, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. 
and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others. Now, you ready for this? This is going to be revolutionary. Who provided for them out of their means. Mary called Magdalene from whose seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Just want to share with you some quick observations. Number one, Luke talks more about women in ministry than any other gospel. So ladies, if you're looking for a book to get into, try Luke, all right? Secondly, uh, Luke presents two revolutionary ideas regarding women in Jesus in these first four verses. And I just want to share with them real quick. Number one, Jesus ministered to women. And number two, women ministered to Jesus. Jesus ministered to women. And women minister to Jesus. Let me talk to you about Jesus ministering to women. Now, recently, some of you might be familiar with this. The Washington Post quoted Vice President Mike Pence from a 2012 article where he said this. He never eats alone with women other than his wife. Many of you may know uh, Billy Graham. He has just gone on to be with Jesus, an amazing man called to win millions to Jesus. Um, He actually made it famous. It was basically, they call it the Billy Graham rule. And what the Billy Graham rule was him and some men a long time ago got together in his ministry in a hotel room and decided we want to remain above reproach because God is using our ministry and giving us a platform. We don't want the enemy to lie or we don't want to put ourselves in any type of situation that would be considered compromise. And so they came up with all kinds of different rules, but one of them was not being alone with women. Are you with me? Now. When Vice President Mike Pence made that statement, he received some criticism from the secular world, but he also received some criticism from some Christians. Can I read to you what the Christians said? One Christian commentator tweeted, this rule reduces women to sexual temptations, objects, things to be avoided. It is dehumanizing and anti-gospel. Now, I'm not here to argue whether the wisdom was correct or incorrect. I just wanted to bring to light some of the thoughts on this. Now, whether you admire or criticize the vice president's wisdom, here's what we do know about Jesus Christ. Are you ready? He was young. He was single. He was a male leader of an unorthodox religious sect in his time, and he was followed by a band of female devotees whose past life had been immoral. It's not too hard to imagine that the religious orthodox didn't like it and what they made of it. But watch, even though Jesus lived in a culture that minimized and even depersonalized wisdom, Jesus affirmed, depersonalized women, Jesus affirmed their worth regularly. He even made the unusual practice of speaking to them freely and doing it while in public. Now, that may sound odd to you, but in that culture, for a religious man to spend time with a woman in public and to speak to her freely was considered to be something that you just don't do. And so when the woman was caught in adultery, he went and he stooped low and had a conversation with her. And when the woman was at the well, he went alone to have a dialogue with her. Are you with me? Jesus ministered 
to women in a time where that was considered to be something that you just would not do. Are you with me? Number two, women ministered to Jesus. Come on, all the ladies said amen. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about a particular woman who anointed the feet of Jesus while the Pharisees watched in disgust. They fully expected Jesus to rebuke her. They were, uh, they were annoyed instead when he permitted her and had the audacity to praise her actions and call them as a form of worship. Now, in that story, Jesus is anointed by a woman. In the story that we're reading now, women are providing for Jesus' ministry out of their own pockets. In fact, the word means they provided for him out of their own means. The word means can refer to property, possessions, resources, and finances. Are you with me? Luke confirms the role of women in the life and ministry of Jesus was much more than just mother. Much more than just sister. Much more than just wife of so-and-so. These women were key contributors to the mission. These women were legit providers and entrepreneurs with major kingdom impact. Now, you wouldn't expect that from a patriarchal God or a misogynistic scripture. This would be left out. Jesus would have preferred only to work with men. But there were entrepreneurs that followed Jesus. Are you hearing me? There were legit providers following Jesus. And for the rest of today's message, we're going to take a look at the three that were mentioned in this scripture. And we're going to look at the potential struggles and the empowerment of wisdom, uh, women, through the eyes of Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. Are you ready? First person mentioned was Mary called Magdalene. Now, some of you may be familiar with some of the things that the History Channel has to say about Mary Magdalene. I think that they should be stripped of their credentials. <laughs> uh, some of you have heard that this perhaps was Jesus' wife. And that somehow they secretly were married and had this baby and this line went on and so on and so forth. The fairy tales get real from these hidden gospels that were discovered. Some of you know this story. Some of you look at me kind of weird. I want you to say it. I want to tell you Jesus was never married. He was never married. And historically and academically, uh, these Gnostic gospels that describe some other kind of relationship that Jesus had are totally debunkable and were written by men that were so far away from the original events that for most people it wouldn't even be considered rational history. And we could, I don't have all day to debunk them to you today, but if we want to talk, I got no problems sending you some of my notes for that. Now, Mary Magdalene is not to be confused with Jesus' mother, and Magdalene is not to be confused with her last name. Mary was from a city called Magdalene. Are you with me? Now, Mary is mentioned 14 times in the Gospels, 
Of those 14 mentions, there are eight times that she's mentioned alongside of other women like here in this text. Now, this is really interesting to me, and it really stood out to me. Each time Mary's name is mentioned alongside of others, her name is always mentioned first. Now, what do we know about that according to the traditional way in which they recorded history? That would tell us that of all the women that walked with Jesus, Mary Magdalene was considered, are you ready for this? The most prominent of the women, and she was the lead woman of the women's ministry in Jesus' life. Eight times, well, she's mentioned 14 times, but eight times she's mentioned first. First, and that's because she was prominent. She was the women ministry lead in Jesus's life. Are you with me? Now, the question I have to ask, what are the qualifications of a woman who leads ministry with Jesus? What would be the qualifications of the woman who led Jesus's women's ministry? Would it be Bible school? Any Bible school graduates in here? More power to you. Maybe she had her master's degree in theology maybe she was born and raised in a godly home with faithful parents maybe she had a faithful past and she had served in the temple as a righteous woman and therefore she was fully prepared to take on the ministry that would serve under jesus's ministry well can i tell you something mary's qualifications she had been filled with seven demons She had been filled with seven demons. Now, I don't know about you guys, but one demon is bad enough. Yeah? <laughs> right? But seven. Now, even if seven is just a figurative number, the number seven stands for completion in Scripture, which would suggest that either way, Mary suffered a very extreme case of demon possession. She was completely possessed. She was possessed by many demons. Now, before Jesus came into her life, she was likely a woman that everyone avoided. Maybe withered hair, maybe glaring eyes, likely cray-cray and a little out of her mind. She might have even had, she might have even participated in self-harming and she might have even been suicidal. And that's only what you could see. Because what we don't know and what we can't see, what I'm sure that none of us could even begin to imagine is the kind of painful past that would have opened the doors up for seven demons to even come into her life. Have you ever seen somebody who was possessed by an evil spirit? Have you ever been in the presence of that? Have you ever just walked by? Maybe you've never seen it, but ever just walked by a place or a person and you just got that feeling that something was evil, something wasn't right. Have you ever been growled at? Have you ever experienced? I've experienced and seen these things firsthand. Some of you watch the movies and it's not always Hollywood, but it is dangerous. I can't imagine, and I'm going to repeat this, what kind of past that would have opened the doors to so many evil spirits to dominate her? Yet at the moment Jesus came into her life, the moment 
Mary encountered Jesus, I'm sure that her troubled mind was immediately settled. She was made whole. And watch, a delivered Mary not only became a disciple, but she became both a leader and key contributor to the work of Jesus' ministry. Now, this is really important to everyone in this room. But women, I want you to hear this out. But men, I want you to hear this out too. This is really important. You can't allow your past to dictate to you your present and future in Christ. You can't allow the shame of who you used to be disqualify you from who God is calling you to become. Mary could have easily battled with thoughts like, I'm not good enough. If you only knew what I've done. If you only knew what's been done to me. If you only knew where I've been. Who I've done it with. Now, you don't have to shake your head, but can you relate? She could have easily concluded, I'm unfit to make any kind of kingdom impact. Because I was crazy, dirty, and filled with demons. And as cliche as this may be, it is truth. So please hear me out. We have a tendency to limit what God can do in us and through us based on our past. And here's the cliche, but I love it. Jesus doesn't call the qualified He qualifies those he calls. You with me? It has never been, nor it will never be based on what you've done or what you haven't done, but it has always been and will always be based upon what he has accomplished and who he is. What was the qualification for the single most significant and prominent woman in the ministry of women in Christ's life? It was filled with seven demons and delivered by the champion. Are you with me? Scripture mentions a woman by the name of Joanna. Secondly, Joanna is the wife of Cusa. Now, Joanna's story is a little different. What's emphasized in her story is not the same as what's emphasized in Mary's story. What's emphasized for Joanna is not what she was delivered from, but where she came from. Joanna was a woman of privilege and power. She was an upper class type woman. What do I mean by that? Her husband served in one of the most important roles to the king, which made Joanna both wealthy and connected. Now, let me give you a little bit of details about the place that Joanna came from. Uh, King Herod's palace was known for its loose living. It was known for its loose living. This was a king who married his brother's wife, had his niece dance for him, and I'll let you fill in the blanks there. And during that dance, she even convinced him, because he liked her dance so much, to cut off the head of John the Baptist. 
Now, it was in the midst of this lifestyle that Joanna meets Jesus. It's in the midst of this lifestyle that Jesus heals Joanna. And it's in the midst of this lifestyle that Joanna is never the same. Now, I love this. Joanna, being healed in the palace, is given the opportunity to reach people in places that other people couldn't reach. Now, some Christian traditions, this isn't biblical. You won't find this in the Bible, but there are some Christian, early Christian traditions that suggest that Joanna was even eventually kicked out of the palace because she was witnessing a Jesus. Now, can I be challenging with some of you here this morning? Some of us dream to get where Joanna was. We may even compromise to get there. But Joanna was willing to lose all the world had to offer because Jesus had given her something so much greater. And it's possible that her insecurity was a little different than Mary's. After all, she served in a ministry that predominantly appealed to the poor, and she was from the Hamptons. She could have easily felt out of place. She could have felt apologetic about her position and about her means. She could have felt reluctant to share out of the fear of coming off wrong. I don't want to embarrass other people. But here's a key point that I think we can all pull from this. God distributes gifts according to his will. And whether you find yourself in the projects or in the palace, we are all equally valued and equally called by God not to be ashamed of where he has placed us, but to bring him glory where we're at. So here's the reality. If you've been blessed, If you've been given more, more opportunity, more gifting, more financial means, there was no need for you to be apologetic or embarrassed by it. There's only a great need for you to contribute to the great commission of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been in the pit, right, whether you've been in the project or whether you've been in the mansion or the palace, whether you walk with great charisma, whether you communicate well, whether you, have, uh, you are a woman that walks in a confidence, there's no need to apologize about that. It's probable that at some point, Joanna had to learn to stop worrying about what other people might think or say. And to begin to focus on what Christ had done in her life. Joanna wasn't called to feel bad about her wealth or power. She was called to give it back to Jesus. And finally, Susanna. Now, hear me out. Mary Magdalene, filled with seven demons. Joanna, wife of Cusa who was a steward of the household of King Herod, and then Susanna and many others. I want to talk about Susanna and many others. Now, the phrase many others refers to many other women. Are you with me? We're not talking about just three women in this story. We're talking about several women who followed Christ and contributed to his ministry. Now, you'll notice something different about Susanna's description. You ready for this? This is big. You'll notice something different about Susanna's description. There is none. (laughs) There is none. Can you imagine that? Mary Magdalene, 
this seven demons, prominent leader of women. Oh, and let me introduce you to Joanna, right? She comes from the palace, wealthy and connected, and Susanna and some others. Susanna's only given a name, and then she's mentioned, are you ready for this? Alongside of many other nameless women. I think it's so easy to get caught up in prominent people. Don't we? Isn't it so easy to get caught up in people of position and power and character and authority and gifts? Maybe a character, but have all man that's they're so have you ever looked at someone and said they are so amazing they have something that i want but can i just share with you something this morning that may encourage you it's the nameless woman and the nameless women who pushed the mission forward behind the scenes that susanna represents hear me out Susanna represents every woman you'll never hear about. Every woman who's ever followed the master throughout history, but because of pride or because of culture, had to take a back seat and live in the shadows. The women throughout history who were martyred but not mentioned, the women who built churches, establish universities and push the mission forward in ways you or I will never ever know about because men took the credit for it. And I love this. The women who worked hard, blood, sweat, and tears behind the scenes. Can I tell you about those women? You know who they are. You know they ran the fundraisers. They cooked for the bake sales. This may sound silly to you, but the women, I come from Latin assemblies of God. Some of you come from different ethnics. Some of us, we're just one. In, I love that we're just one mixed group in here. That's what I love about this church. Some of us come from some ethnic backgrounds, right? We have some Puerto Ricans, some Mexicans, right? African-Americans, Caucasians. We have some Filipinos in the house, amen? Can I tell you about the women that built ministries and even contributed to the building of churches by selling tamales? Oh, you thought you built the church. The women who faithfully served our children in children's ministry. The moms who prayed. The wives who endured. Oh, come on, husbands. The wives who endured your stubborn self, right, who went to church even when you weren't, who prayed for the family and kept it together. The moms who prayed, the praying grandmas. Hey, men and women are in here. Maybe you're not serving the Lord today. We love you. Hey, have a great time. Please come back. But you got grandmas praying for you. You know that they've been praying for you. And you know that they've been praying for you because you haven't been praying, but you've been kept out of danger one too many times. So somebody was praying for you. Come on, the moms who prayed, the wives who endured and encouraged, the sisters who served. Heaven is full of hidden heroes, y'all.
You know, Susanna could have dealt with so much insignificance and comparison. You know, she could have thought to herself, I'm not, I'm not like them. I'm not strong like Mary. Uh, the way Mary leads and she, she, Jesus kind of speaks to her and then the, the women, she tells them where to go. She's obviously the leader of this group. Man, I can't, I'm not strong like that. Can you imagine Susanna looking at Joanna and saying, gosh, she has so much money. She's so connected. She gives so much to the ministry. Do we compare? What's my impact? We have a strong leader and a person that is connected and wealthy and I have nothing and I'm poor and I'm not like them. I'm not strong like Mary. I'm not wealthy like Joanna. Joanna could represent any woman who has ever felt like they were in the shadows or off to the side and forgotten. She represents any insecurity that makes you feel like you don't have it. It makes, it makes you feel like you don't have as much as somebody else does to give. But here's what I want you to know. You may feel hidden and inferior, but Jesus knows your name, and he records every single thing we do in his book. Look, hidden heroes move the mission forward. Hidden heroes move the mission forward. I want to conclude with this, and I want to invite the worship team up. We talked about these three women but I want to conclude really quickly with their empowerment. Three things that these women can teach us. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Let's try it again. Are you ready? Even if you're not, just give me a yes. <laughs> it means that we're almost time for lunch, so at least you're ready for that. Here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, their giving was an act of worship. Their giving was an act of worship. What do I mean by that? The woman who followed Jesus had all been miraculously helped by Jesus. These women gave because all they these women gave because they had been healed of either demons or diseases. Here's the lesson. They gave out of gratitude. Nobody forced them to give or manipulated them to give. Jesus didn't say donate this much and then I'll give you this much. Right? Anybody, anybody ever been, anybody ever watched those TV, the Miracle Spring Water guy? You don't, okay. Don't. Those TV weirdos that tell you if you send this in, then you'll get this. You're bartering for the gifts and the blessings of Jesus. And then you have all these people giving their testimonies. Well, I did this and that, and I got a $100,000 check in the mail. And I bless them, and I'm thankful that they're faithful and they love Jesus. But I want to tell you that's not the champion. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus gave first, so then they gave back. That's what worship is. Worship is a response. Jesus is the great initiator. You and I never initiated with Jesus. He initiated you, and then we simply determine whether we want to respond or not. Are you with me? They gave out of gratitude. 
Their giving was an act of worship. It was a response to the goodness of God. You know, this is a real fun note. Joanna, you know what Joanna means? Joanna means God has shown favor or God graciously gives. I think it's interesting in a passage which emphasizes her gift, giving, her name emphasizes what God has given her. She was delivered of demons and diseases, of infirmities. Are you with me? Number two. Their commitment was to the end. I love this. The women here are mentioned by name during Jesus' ministry, at the foot of the cross, at the empty tomb, and Mary is the first to witness the resurrected Savior the morning that he raised. These women not only modeled true worship, but they modeled true endurance. They did not waver. I'm sorry, guys, but are you ready for this? When the men ran, they stood. When the men hid, they went. And as a result, these faithful women became the first to eyewitness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In a world that sees women as property, Jesus saw them as key contributors to the, to the mission. In a world, listen, in a world that does not value their testimony, Jesus made them the primary witness and testimony of the greatest thing that could have ever happened to Christians. Their goal was discipleship, and I'm finished here. In the Gospels, you'll find that some people who were healed by Jesus asked to journey with him. And many times Jesus would tell them no and send them back to their families or back to their towns to spread the gospel. But these women were given full access to his life in ways others were not. Here's what I want you to know. For these women, the money and the work was secondary discipleship was primary these women were part of the journey first and foremost of being with Jesus everything else was secondary in all we do and all we say for Jesus our goal should never be recognition comparison or comp our goal should never be recognition compensation or elevation it should be discipleship for his glory for our growth Everything else is just icing on a cake. Amen? Everything else is just icing on a cake. We're, I want to pray for the mothers in a building. In fact, we, want, we have something we want to give you, and then we're going to pray for you. Uh, really quickly, I won't have you stand long, but can we have all the mothers stand? Can we have all the mothers stand this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we can do better than that. Can we give a round of applause? got something special for you we got some future fathers and some future men of God and husbands that are going to go ahead and some future wives and future mothers and they're going to go ahead and just if you would just be patient with us we want to give you something right now and then we're going to say a prayer for you in just a moment so if you have received a gift can you have a seat so we could just kind of know who else needs to get a gift and then we're going to say a prayer for you and i promise we're going to head out amen so if you're standing next to a mom will you just put your hands on them if you know them please <laughs> uh, but we just want to pray we want to pray for uh, the moms here 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's three. I want to pray for a couple of things. Number one is, I want to pray for the moms that are here. Number two is, I want to pray if your mom is not here, I want you to pray for your mom. And the third thing is, is uh, one of our brothers here this morning was here at service, but his mom was rushed in an ambulance literally minutes ago. He actually had to leave. And so can we pray for her right now first? Let's pray for her first. Heavenly Father, we don't know the specifics of what just took place moments ago, but we lift this mother up to you right now. And we lift, we lift this son up who's rushing to go meet his mama. Uh, we pray whatever complications are there. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We pray for peace in the name of Jesus. We pray um, that this Mother's Day for her, Lord, would be a day of healing, Lord, and comfort right now. And so whatever uh, is going on, I pray that you would send the right people right now doctors emergency whatever needs to be done we're just praying it we're just standing right now in the gap for that mama right now in the name of jesus lord i lift up every mama that's not here this morning i lift up every mom uh that uh we're praying for that is not here this morning uh, we we are asking in the name of jesus that you would reach and touch them today no matter where they're at would you just show them your love and will they be awakened to your love? And will they be moved by your spirit? Even though we're here, you are right there with her. And Lord, I pray for all the mothers in this building. In the name of Jesus, I pray the ups, the downs, the hardships, the uncertainties of the single moms in this room. Lord, I pray for the moms that are silently suffering. I pray for the mothers in this room, Lord God, uh, that maybe are in a great season in their life. Lord, we thank you for our mamas. We thank you. Even though we look to God as our Father, we recognize that in our mothers, we see the love of Jesus. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that the, the mothers would be blessed, that today would be a day of love and joy and peace and strength. And I pray for the, for the dads that they would be strengthened. They would be strengthened to massage their wives' feet today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know that was awkward, right? We love you guys so much, man. Have a beautiful Sunday. Have an amazing Mother's Day. And we'll see you back next Sunday. God bless you.